Hello, my loves, and welcome back once again to Straight Up, the pop culture podcast hosted by us, journalists Kathleen and Ellie. I'm Kathleen. I'm Ellie. Oh, no, my Ooh, voice is way. Sorry. I actually don't sound like that in real life. You're trying to go for the dulcet tones, but it's not coming out. Sounding like a, little a bit lower than usual. So, guys, as you can see from the headline, this is an interview episode. We were so lucky to go and drink rose champagne, Tattinger, no less, with the one and only Billy Porter in his manager's hotel room at the Langham recently. On his bed. We, I was literally on his bed when the manager came in. I was like, I'm so sorry to make my intro like this. And Billy kept putting his feet up right next to you with his socks. Oh, those angles are great. I hope we can share those social assets. We'll oh, remain yes. to be seen. Guys, he is an icon he is a gay black icon he came out very recently in 2021 to say he was hiv positive which is something that he'd been keeping from the public for 14 years so when he announced that i mean that was just a game changer for black gay men all over the world huge so he is an icon in so many ways a fashion icon guys if you haven't seen him on the red carpet you must google it he basically yeah he basically like started a whole trend of men wearing dresses. The kind of androgynous dressing. He was the firestarter. Yes, exactly. He's a real multidisciplinary, actually, because he's a musician, an actor. He's quite musical theatre. One of his big breaks was Kinky Boots. Yes, because he is an Oscar away from an EGOT. He's won a Tony, an Emmy, a Grammy. He's wildly talented. And one of my favourite things about his story is that he actually didn't have his big break until his late 40s. So he was in the industry for decades, but he's only become a global celebrity in the last what four or five years yes yeah, so most of you will probably know him from pose or cinderella one of my faves yes and now he's got a new album out called black mona lisa it's his like proudest work to date because when he started the music industry really homophobic awful people in the business tried to pigeonhole him as like a straight r&b man and he was just not representing his real self and now he is so authentically authentic. himself it's I amazing mean, we had the best time it was honestly hilarious we literally want him to be our fairy fashion godfather he was literally giving Cathas tips on how to hold her train when she gets married and he literally said Cathas I'll be there I'll help you he did which was <laughs> so good and also I've got to say Black Mona Lisa is genuinely an incredible record so you guys might well know Baby is a Dancer which yes. went to number one on Radio 2's charts it is such a disco tinged vibe I'm also very into Stranger Things off the album so do go away and check that out you will all love it and he has a film coming out in the next month called Our Son where he plays um, a couple whose marriage is breaking down opposite Luke Evans and they are fighting over custody of their only child. I'm really looking forward to seeing that, can't lie. He's just amazing, guys. We stand, Billy Porter. Billy, if you're listening, we love you. We love you. And thank guys, you for having us. I'm off to Goa now. You are. So we're recording this a little bit in advance. So we're not going to bother with our cultural recommendations today. Do check out our Instagram, though, because we'll share some updates there. Yes. Ellie's sunning herself in Goa. I know. It's been a long journey to get there. I'll, t- I'll fill you, you in fill maybe the, next time. Fill everyone time. in next <laughs> time. It's a very classic Ellie Hall story, guys. You're all going to be gripped. <laughs> And I can't wait to hear about your actual holiday. Send pics. I we'll will, share them. babes. Okay, so leave us a review on Apple if you want us to continue loving you. Um. <laughs> we'll love you always. <laughs> Let us know if there are any other guests you really want to hear from. We always like a couple of suggestions. Yes. Actually, guys, on that, to flag now, we're recording with the fabulous Dawn O'Porter in a couple of weeks' time, which we're so excited about. It's from the Choose Love Boutique in Carnaby Street, London. If you don't know, Dawn is co-founder of Choose Love, the charity. The Choose Love shop is now in its seventh year and it stocks essential supplies for refugees and displaced people around the world. The work they do is actually really, really amazing. So guys, please do consider this your PSA if you find yourselves shopping in central London. Do pop in and go and do some good by buying something for someone who truly needs it this Christmas. And leave us a DM at Straight Up Pod. Guys, thank you so much for your embarrassing stories. We live for them. Oh my God, they're so great. Send more, please. And we will think of more to share with you. I, something will happen in Goa. I mean, oh, it will. I, just, I clearly... actually am looking forward to the regular updates of International L's. I mean, guys, the last time I went on a long haul holiday, I missed my flight back from Bali by 24 hours because I got the time wrong. <laughs> so let's see what happens. Honeys, do rate, review and subscribe. We will see you next time. Love you. Bye. Exactly. Exactly. We always start with an icebreaker where we ask the guest when the last time they had a little bit too much to drink was. I don't really do too much to drink. How chic. Because, and this is a good story, um, (laughs) I will shift into my British accent. Yeah, please do. Every so often. (laughs) 
Um, You'll have to say you bullets You know this is it. like my favorite place on the wor- in the world, next to like New York City. You know, I love it over here. I love it here. Um, so I had an aunt Zanola, and by aunt, I mean a family friend. You know, I yeah. have a family friend. She was about six foot three, you know, 95 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> and she drank a fifth of Jack Daniels every day and smoked like two packs of cigarettes. And she was my favorite. And I'd go, we'd sit over on it. And she said, listen here, you little sissy. <laughs> <laughs> You can do anything you want in this life. Just don't make them have to talk about you in the morning. Ooh. <laughs> As she, her 30th cigarette of the day. And that has stuck with me. I, I very rarely get messy. I have been messy. But like I can count on two hands in my 54 years how many times That's I've been good. messy. If that. You know what I mean? And usually it is not because of alcohol. Uh, nice. Um, <laughs> so we'll just leave it there. Okay, without saying how you got into that state, what's the funniest end result of a night where you've embarrassed yourself or where things have gone very wrong? Oh, God, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't really, ha- I don't really have them. Like, if it was something that happened, it was not good. <laughs> I mean, I've ended up in my house a couple of times and didn't know how I got there. But that's the... At least you ended up in your house. In Britain, that's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I told y'all, I don't really... I'm I'm not really that girl. Are you someone that gets embarrassed, generally? No, I don't. Have you ever? Is that like something you've had to learn I don't. I don't get embarrassed. I don't. I just don't. It's And it's interesting to me because so many people do. I get embarrassed every hour about like, something. So many people get embarrassed over. Can we cuss on here? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many people get embarrassed over bullshit. My soon-to-be ex-husband was embarrassed about everything, everything, and I was like, I can't go there with you. I don't. I'm not. Yeah. And I won't be. Yeah. Embarrassed by just regular normal life. It's weird to me sometimes. Also, it means they get embarrassed on your behalf as well. And then, right. and and then like, that's really I'm toxic. Yeah. So I don't need your embarrassment for me. Yes, that's where it gets I'm bad. I'm good. You don't need like <laughs> the projection of their shame. Yes. Yeah. I'm good. I don't really do anything to be embarrassed about. I wish I didn't get embarrassed. I feel like it's a very British thing. Like I would literally be embarrassed if I just like tripped over slightly in the street or something. Yeah. It, that minor. No. I know. But it's I bet ridiculous. You don't I, even know. Fall, I don't bet you don't even trip I over. Do. Do I tripped. <laughs> the other day going into Claridge's at the Ooh. evening standard that Claridge on that side street I didn't go in the I don't know it's like two different yeah. entrances yeah, yeah. but I went to the evening standard awards and there's a lip <laughs> going into the and I went oh no I you? no I didn't fall but oh okay I wasn't embarrassed the worst is when that you- lip is in the wrong place who <laughs> put that stare there <laughs> I love watching people falling down the steps of like the Met Gala or whatever. Is it Jennifer Lawrence that like? Oh, I hate no, it. Well, she fell up the steps. Oh yeah, at yes. the Oscar. Oh, that's but on purpose. Oh, I say it's on purpose. No, I'm I'm teasing halfway, but like, bitch, y'all need to learn how to walk in your pumps. <laughs> True, and it's difficult because I've been there now. Yeah, I've been to these places, and I used to always think. You know, there's many things about them where I'm like, didn't they rehearse? You know, like things that don't look rehearsed were not rehearsed. That's why they don't look rehearsed. Because they weren't. You're on national television on the biggest award show in the world. And you, uh, you're you not rehearsed. Wait, so you rehearse like your walk and the way you walk upstairs? Well, if you're just nominated, you don't get to practice. Yeah. So it's very possible in that gown she tripped on some under stuff. On a lip. You know, well, but there were stairs, but she also had all the stuff underneath. Yes. The skirt, you know, like whether it's crinoline, whether whatever it is. Yeah. It's like, so, and then those stairs are glossy. Yes. And then they clean them before the show, <laughs> which makes them even slippier, more slippery. Shine them up. Yeah. So she should have known the risks. No, I'm, I'm teasing. <laughs> about that i'm teasing about that but it is a risk it is a risk 
You have to be aware. You pull that skirt up. See, I went to, I, I had styles class. What's that? In uh, drama school. Oh. Where Elizabeth Orion, who was my British uh, acting teacher and the head of the drama program, um, taught us class. And there was a styles class about how you, you know, the different periods, the different kind of clothes in said periods and how you work with them and how you use the clothes and how you, and it was a class for an entire year that taught you all the different kinds of things. So if you look at me and, and you watch me in like the Oscar antebellum skirt, Mm -hmm. it's like the way I work that came from styles class. And there aren't a lot of models or a lot of people that know that anymore. It's a whole old classic yeah. thing. But it's like, if you have petticoats, you have to pick that shit up like this. It's heavy. You pick it up <laughs> and you walk in front of you so you don't trip. Yeah. You know, even walking down the runway with a train, you walk in a, in a U when you get to the end of it so you don't turn on yourself and trip on the train. Because the train is going to circle around you if you don't walk in a U and push it behind you. You have to push the train behind you, darling. Well, that's a great And make sure tip. it's behind you at all times. I feel like you should be doing a kind of seminar for all well, the Well, I celebs. always need to be doing a seminar. <laughs> Somewhere. I'm taking that tip. I'm getting married next year. Honey, do I you have a train? Like a bit of one. You know, a bit of a train, yeah. Nothing too major. Girl, but... you walk in a U when you're turning or pull that shit up got above it. your knees so you ain't got to trip. Thank you. I'll give you a lesson when you get it. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) That would be literally fabulous. Okay, so you are obviously a very special person with lots of talents. When you were growing up, did you kind of have a feeling that you had like the X factor? Did you kind of know that you were going to go on to do like big things? Thank you. I'm just going to say it out loud. I did. Bit of champagne there. I did. We have a bit of rosé. Why are you so skippy on it? Is it a full bottle? Pour it. Is there a bottle here? Yes, I will. Yeah. The <laughs> drinks have come and it's like yeah, a swallow. <laughs> I don't need a swallow. <laughs> As the black people say in America, I'm meaning a swallow. Yes. A swallow. Well, cheers, Billy. Cheers, cheers my Billy. Darling. Cheers to cheers. your amazing new album. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, and congratulations I know, on we the have release of Black Mona Lisa. We do Black love Mona Lisa. it. Cheers. I am obsessed with Stranger Things. You are love good. It. Yes. Good. Love it, love it, love I'm, it. You're, I, I'm, I'm happy that you're a young person obsessed with Stranger Things. Because Stranger Things on the album is my more political in your face. Yeah. You know, it's not as pleasant and boppy you know it's like a it's it's a it's a rant it's a rage you know i'm raging in that song and so you know it excites me when the younger audiences understand the importance of something Mm. you know and connect to the importance of that Okay, guys, so hopefully you already know this, but here at Straight Up, we actually reach out to every single sponsor that we work with, all ourselves, meaning that when you hear a recommendation like this one, we have cherry-picked the brand based on products that we already use and really, really want to share with you all. Also, with a discount code, of course. Yeah, we would never advertise something that we don't already love, and Adaptogenic Coffee has been perhaps our favourite discovery of the past year. It took trying a few different brands, but since we found London Nootropics, we've never looked back. They're three different, very tasty blends, all boost brain health while actively and noticeably helping with focus, reducing anxiety, boosting energy, memory, and more. So just to explain adaptogens and nootropics a little bit, they are natural ingredients like medicinal mushrooms that really improve mental well-being and change how you feel when you consume them. London Nootropics Zen Blend, for example, which is their most balancing blend, contains award-winning ashwagandha in the highest concentration, as well as premium CBD. It is the absolute dream for when you're feeling stressed. The adaptogens in all the blends, actually, by the way, as well, counteract the usual jitters and crashes that you might get from regular coffee. Zen, though, is particularly soothing. I always get really quite anxious the morning after drinking alcohol but a sachet of zen now sorts me right out it really does make you feel so alert calm and focused i have to say i was a bit skeptical before actually trying adaptogens myself but now i cannot imagine starting the morning without a cup of london nootropics adaptogenic coffee we can't wait to hear what you think as well head to londonnootropics.co.uk and enter the code straight up at the checkout for 20 percent off that's straight up all one word no caps what's the most interesting story behind one of the songs that you, the fans don't know yet in terms of how it came um, to be. 
I would say not ashamed anymore mm-hmm. was the uh, most interesting because I was here in writing London? with M and E K. I was here in England, right here in London, writing with M and E K. We love M and E K. I was really stressed out. And I was on the verge of a panic attack. And I was like, what is wrong? And then I realized, oh, next week, I am coming out HIV positive to the world on the cover of The Hollywood Reporter. We had done the interview and the and the imagery two, maybe even three months prior to that. So I had forgotten, sort of like I wasn't keeping track of the date. And for listeners who don't know, you'd ha- known that you were HIV positive for 14 years at that yes. point. Yeah. I was, I, I became HIV positive in 2007. And I didn't really tell anybody until 21 when I came out to the world. And so I realized that that's what it was. And we wrote, I'm not ashamed anymore. Um, as a result of that, I'm not ashamed anymore came out of that. And it's a celebration you know, it's a, you know, it's vibey. It reminds me of like the old Quincy Jones, mm. you know, Michael Jackson off the wall-ish, you know, just in terms of the rhythm. And it's not sad. You know, the the headline was, this is what HIV looks like today. It's not a death sentence anymore. And it actually has changed my life in in profound ways in terms of just as a black man, you know, we don't like doctors. We don't like the medical profession. We don't, it has not been good to us. And so I was one of those and I did not go to the doctor as I should have. And now I'm the healthiest, ironically, that I've ever been in my entire life with diabetes Type 2, which happened in 2007 as well. Read my book, Unprotected. Bankruptcy in 2007. And HIV positive. I'm the healthiest I've ever been in my life. So, you know. What prompted the decision? Like, after 14 years, what was the trigger for you to to tell people about it? Pose. Mm. And I was going to come out. In my book, which was in October of 21, and we were around January, and I was going through the year with my um, publicist, Simon Holes, and I said just in passing, I was like, and I'm going to come out HIV positive to the world in the memoir, and he literally stopped me immediately. He's like, okay, listen, this is when I have to, like, really do my job. So here's the truth. You have shot to A-list celebrity status so quickly. And I say quickly post going through the decades and decades of what I had to go through to get to where I am. But like once Pose happened, it was like. Yeah. He said the reason for that is because you're always honest and you're always truthful. Period. That's your brand. That's why people love you so much. If you play Pray Tell and die of AIDS on television, which I was, everybody, he knew I was going to, die of AIDS on television in June and don't come out as HIV positive as Billy Mm. until October, the cynical press is going to take you down, period. It's not fair. It's not right. And... We have to be proactive about this. We have to be offensive about this. And that's how it happened. And, you know, it had been 14 years. So the only thing I needed to do was tell my mother. Was your mother shocked that you she was finding out along with the rest of the world? No, she didn't find out with the rest of the oh, world. Oh, you told her first? I told her that week. Got it. And then we set up how we were going to do it. And Ryan Murphy stepped in and got the Hollywood report. They got the Hollywood and it it was all of that. So I told her, but it was just about me telling her that was on a Monday. I told her by Friday and I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was like, I gotta, I gotta get free. I gotta get free of these chains. I gotta get free. And so in that moment, it just, it was just, this is the time. This is the right time to do it. And so 
I'm not ashamed anymore is so, it does that dichotomy thing. You know, where the subject matter is so dark or could be perceived as dark. But the song is a celebration. Yeah. It's fabulous. I love it. I love it. And you talked just then about how your publicist being quite like cynical with the press, which is good because you've got to be. What has your relationship been like with the press throughout your career? How do you feel about it? The press is necessary. And I engage with the press from a place of truth, always. That's all I do. I don't, you know, this this social media component to things has really skewered the playing field. It's like, well, what's real and what's not? You know, social media doesn't mean anything. And it means everything at the same time. So for me, I have found that the navigation of traditional press in conjunction with this new form of it um, creates a space where I, the artist, have to maintain my truth and go from there no matter what. There ain't no gotcha, gotcha. See, the press, when it turns on you, is about a gotcha, gotcha. Have you had the press turn on you? It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be that. Yeah. I came out as HIV positive first. Y'all don't have no gotcha, gotcha. That's <laughs> yeah. what Simon was talking about. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, it's like point. when they don't have any gotcha, gotcha, then it's lovely. Because <laughs> I'm telling on myself before you can. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's my relationship with the press is is great as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and in terms of being in the public eye, is it easier? This might sound like an obvious question, but when as you say, people are looking for a gotcha moment. Is it much easier to be famous when it's all kind of sunshine and roses than when you're going through difficult times? Because as you mentioned, you've been through bankruptcy, illness, divorce, like very difficult times in one's life. It's and you've hard done for it me right now because I don't really know about that because my celebrity has just happened. You know, it happened at 49, I'm 54. You know, there was a surprise I'm in the I'm I'm going through a divorce right now and it was a surprise to me when a friend of mine called and said the press has called me and they're like you got about a week and a half to get ahead of this story before they take it. That was a surprise. That was new for me and I did. I don't I've lived long enough. I do not now, nor will I ever adjudicate my life or humanity and sound bites on social media, nor will I do that in the press either. It just, you know, and I haven't, my career has not happened by the manipulation of the press. I have not manipulated the press to become who I am. See, it really is hard. When you manipulate the press, when you think about somebody like Madonna, she was great at it and she manipulated the press. So then they felt like they had license to do whatever and say whatever they wanted because that's that was the conversation she was in with the press. I'm not in that conversation. Were you interested in celebrity culture when you were growing up? Like, how was your like, what did you think of people who are famous until you joined them? I don't I, I, I never had a, I didn't think anything about people who were famous. I was trying to get famous myself. I didn't have time to be thinking about what other people were doing. Why did you want to be famous, do you think? Is that- well, the, well, that was the naive, mm. the naive dream that happened at 11 years old was about being famous because I wanted people to love me. I wanted my church to love me and not reject me. I wanted my family to love me and not reject me. I wanted, you know, the black community to love me and not reject me. So if I was famous... And on the cover of magazines and rich and then they would love me. That was the naive version of why I wanted to be famous when I was 11. I don't care about fame anymore. That's not the reason. Right. I went to drama school. One of the things that is the greatest lesson that I learned at Carnegie Mellon was about 
my art. Are you, do you, are you an artist? Or do you want to be a star? Are you an artist or is it about Kardashianism? Right? Andy Warhol said everybody's going to have their 15 minutes of fame. I was born before that. Famous people actually had talent when I was coming up. Do you feel that it's getting worse and worse? No. They, they, you don't have to do anything to be famous. Mm. You don't have to do anything but have a bunch of followers and have, you know, a TikTok go viral. That's it. Andy Warhol was prophetic. 15 minutes of fact. Like, it blows my mind. Is it true? That he said that. It is happening in real time. So, you know, my relationship with the press is say what you want. And I'm always the same person. So y'all can say what you want. So now you've obviously had such incredible success across so many different mediums. But would you say that the fame is an added positive or a negative to your artistic journey? Positive. So you like it. You like being famous. Of course. It means I'm successful. True. You know, fame and celebrity is sometimes a byproduct of being successful at what I do. Why would I not want that? You know, it's like it, but it's in our relationship to it. My relationship to the, I'm not in it for that, right? Mm. I'm in it for the work. The work is the most important. And when the work turns out, like the work I've done, whether it's in film and television, this Black Mona Lisa project, this is the work. This is the greatest piece of, one of the greatest pieces of art I've ever churned out in my life. You know, this is 30 years in the making for me musically. You know, sh- you know, r- finally. My first R&B album was in, mainstream R&B album came out in 1997. And, and, the mu- and the business was very homophobic at the time. Yeah. You know, and so there was no real place for me. You know, and I had to go back to the drawing board and find other ways. And, you know, blessedly, I'm multi-hyphenated. So I was able to throw myself into other spaces. And 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 I've had all of the success in my multi-hyphenated life. You know, and so now, all of this music stuff is on my terms now. So back then, did labels try and position you as a straight man? Yeah. Go uh, back like, and look at it. Yeah. Go on Spotify and type in Billy Porter, Untitled. You will see the artwork, which is, it's like, okay. Yeah. You will see the two music videos that I did. And I was good at it. Just so we're clear, they beat the (laughs) faggot out of me at Carnegie Mellon. They beat it out of me. I know how to play straight. And I'm good at it. I am. Go and look at it. You will see. Now... With that said, as a musician, as a recording artist, people respond when you're authentic to who you are, which I think I'm actually grateful that it didn't work because I would have had to have been doing that for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's true. If it had taken off, yeah, that's... If it had taken off, I would have had to play that game or have transitioned in the middle of my career and gone, y'all... She's a queen, darling. <laughs> She's a queen. Don't be disappointed, darling. Uh, was it a couple of years ago you talked about how it was still really difficult for gay actors and that they were, you were saying that unless it's got flamboyant, the word flamboyant in the in the character description, um, you're not going to get a role. I get a call for an audition. Yeah. No, I'm not going to even get the call for the audition. You know Never I mean? mind the role. That's before getting the role. Which is even more annoying because, as you say, you clearly were really good at playing straight as well. So you could be doing both. And so the only thing that anybody in positions of power were interested in was me being flamboyant. And then I would audition and the feedback would be, he's too flamboyant. (laughs) And then they'd cast a straight actor to play it. To play a flamboyant gay man. Gay person. That happened for decades. That happened up until a couple of minutes ago. Like, for real. Have you had an audition to play a straight man? Not recently. And I don't care, right? I can and I will, but I don't care. Because fundamentally, 
What people are saying is, if you can play straight as a gay man, you're better. No. Mm. No. Being straight is not better. Playing straight is not better. It's different. It's not better. I don't do that anymore. It's not better if I can play straight. I can. You just need the choice. Yeah. (laughs) And let's talk about the straight boys playing gay. Yeah. Yeah, Because y'all aren't that great. Sorry. (laughs) Many of you are not that great. Is there one performance that you thought was good? I think a lot of them are good. I thought, I thought, uh, you know, Jeffrey Wright in Belize was amazing. As, as in Angels of America was amazing in that role. There's an exception. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are lots of exceptions. Do you, do you, what is like the most offensive portrayal? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. I have one and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's just genuine curiosity. Yeah, I'll tell you offline. Okay, tell us offline. Tell us offline. I'll tell you offline. <laughs> and you touched on the kind of Kardashianification of fame, but what do you think about kind of non-actors taking acting roles, like Kim K being an American Horror Story at the we moment? We don't have any control over that, so I don't waste my time on it. That's just what it is. It's the business. I got mine, and I will have mine, and I fought for mine. And when I show up, it's a whole different thing. Kim K is in that for a very specific reason. Ryan Murphy is my boss. I know exactly what he's doing. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's not a place or a space. I'm saying that's not my place or space. Live and let live. I want to live from a place of abundance, not lack. Cathars, we have many pet peeves that unite us, but I must say one of the most notable has got to be our misophonia, which as we've recently discovered is the term used to describe a negative emotional reaction to common sounds. Oh my God, babe, nothing enrages us quite like the sound of someone (laughs) frothing at their desk or tapping away violently on their keyboard. For me, as someone that struggles with ADHD, distracting sounds are honestly such an issue when I'm trying to work. I actually can't cope. Of course, which is why we're such big fans of the tiny, comfy and super unobtrusive Karma earbuds from our brilliant podcast sponsor, Flare Audio. Cathars, how do they work? Take it away. Well, Huns, our ears are shaped like shells. So the sound we receive is always distorted at about 20%. Most people's brains filter that out. But if, like me and Els, yours needs a little bit of a helping hand, then the Karma earbuds are just perfect. Such an upgrade I have to say from my noise cancelling headphones which very antisocial when you're in the office and a colleague's trying to talk to you and block you off from sounds you actually really need to hear don't just take our word for it either guys they've sold two million pairs since the launch of lockdown and they even do mini versions for kids and a new version called karma soft which is an extra soft option for those with more sensitive ears and the extra extra good news is that flare audio has 20 percent off site-wide right now it's for black friday so go to flareaudio.com to snap up your karma earbuds for just 15.96 instead of the usual 19.95 thank you so much to flare must be really tricky always being stuck in this dichotomy between living authentically but then being pigeonholed um yeah it's hard it is really really the hardest part of my journey in this business in this industry is that and constantly having to fight it it's hard however I'm good at what I do so and what's for me is for me Mm. I, 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 I you know I'm so grateful to have lived long enough to see this day where that peace washes over me I don't have the stress of anything like that anymore you know, because I do know what's for me is 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 for me because I've lived long enough to see it happen, to see it in action. You know, I spent 25 years not booking anything on television. The first thing I booked on television, series regular wise, the first series regular role I booked at 48 years old, I won an Emmy. AJ, nothing Just but a number. Just give me AJ nothing but a number and give me my shot. That's yeah. all I'm asking for. 
You said in an interview that your um, one of the most difficult scenes in Pose, or maybe the most difficult scene in Pose, was the sex scene. Because <laughs> you, you were 49 or when you filmed that? I was 49 years old. Yeah. And um, I was reading a piece in the Telegraph actually recently that was saying we have rediscovered the joy of the raunchy sex scene because Hollywood had gone a bit too like... Uh, what's the word prudy and now we've rediscovered and i've just watched i don't know if you've seen Saltburn yet but there are some it's pretty fellow travelers too as someone who's in the in the film industry do you think like did you notice that hollywood had got more prude and are you happy that it's getting more exciting i did notice at the top of last year i guess it was when pam and tommy had come out that the ban on penises had been lifted. Oh my God, the oh, talking yes. penis. I've never been spoken to. the ban on penises <laughs> had been lifted, which I thought was always so weird. That like you could see a woman's <laughs> breasts, but you couldn't see a penis. Very rarely. Yeah. And then all of a sudden when it, when the ban was lifted, I was watching things and I was like, oh, there's a lot of penis. <laughs> did you ever There's see so um, much penis. did you see Zola I did see Zola I've never there seen so, so many penises, penises. <laughs> so that part I noticed I've never I seen did so notice it There's like 15 penises <laughs> so many penises I saw on the big screen as well I was like ooh um, okay and you know I'm queer and sex positive and all of those things and I've been a little you know I've, a couple of things I've been watching including fellow travelers is like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> and so when I did, so when, so when Ryan Murphy told me that I was, you know, that he was turning me into a leading man and a queer sex symbol, because the world needed to know what a black queer leading man looked like. And that was me. Ryan Murphy did that. Yeah. He then proceeded to create a relationship with Delon, AKA Ricky and Turn me into a sex symbol. And how do you do that? Make me have sex on screen. <laughs> and did you love it? No. Yeah. <laughs> I did not but love it. Was it mortifying? Was it the one time you've ever been embarrassed? It was. I wasn't it was embarrassed. No. <laughs> We're trying to get you there. I wasn't yeah. embarrassed. I was just, or was I? No, I wasn't embarrassed. I was, it's a very vulnerable place. Yeah. And you know, I just have never expressed myself like that in public you know like sexually recently i've come into my own sexuality and feeling sexy myself and as i've gotten older i love myself and so i get that but i exert that in spaces that feel safe to me aka gay men at a gay bar i have never you know been the object of anybody's affection in anything in my entire career until pose i was the funny faggoty best friend with all the talent but i was not the one to be desired that's never been what i was so i got used to that so it's a thing where you it, it's like the the human being has to feel confident in that to make something like that work i was never a leading man until i was 48 years old I was a character actor. I love that. I love that Ryan Murphy helped create that moment. He created that moment for me. And have you noticed, okay, it was embarrassing. Okay, we didn't say embarrassed. It was uh, challenging. challenging. I wasn't embarrassed. For you in the moment. But what about when you then saw it on screen? Do you watch your work? No. I mean, I have watched my work recently. I've decided I need to watch it in order to be able to understand how audiences are engaging with me. You know, I, it took me a long time to get free. And so my fear sometimes is if I watch myself, I'll judge myself and then stop being free, unconsciously stop being free. I don't want to do that. So I, mo- I monitor when. I've recently gone back to Pose and I've recently watched Pose in the last like three months. But not the sex scene. I watched it. <laughs> I watched it. It was fine. 
You got through it. I got through it. It was fine. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. It was fine. And I didn't look as fat as I thought I felt. You looked felt. amazing in yeah, it. You looked amazing you know, in Apparently, it. you know, my best friend called me from, uh, from uh, texted me from Pittsburgh, my best friend Joe, and he was like, they're calling her, um, what did he say? They said you're serving swimmer's body. Ooh. And I was like, okay, that's good. Take ah, that. I'll take swimmer's body. Yeah. <laughs> swimmer's body is good. Yeah. It means good lats. Yeah. Mm. Good shoulders. Yeah. Okay, so this is a really difficult question because it's like asking you to pick a favorite wardrobe item or a favorite child. But do you have one job that you're like particularly proud of? If you look back at your career across all of the... One job that I'm proud of? Like, well, like one one role perhaps or one album or one... I know that's really annoying, but is it's there so something... It's so annoying. You yeah. people are so in love with lists. Oh, we love lists. Sorry, we're doing too much. Y'all love the lists in the first. Rankings. We Listen, love a ranking. You love a ranking. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, I would say the roles would be... I have to say roles. Yeah. Plural. <laughs> Playing um, Booth in Susan Laurie Parks' Top Dog Underdog, Kinky Boots, Pray Tell, and recently, uh, Our Son. Yes. yes. You know, I'm excited about Our Son. So Our Son, and I'm I, not meaning this as a leading question because I know you're, you're going through some personal stuff, but it must have been interesting for the film to be mirroring, to some extent, what was going on in your personal life. It wasn't mirroring it, it completely then. No, just a little, oh, okay, so it was, you probably shot it's, it before. I shot it and then afterwards that happened. And as an artist, that's my job. Yeah. This is my job, is to live it and then talk about it so other people can heal from my journey. That's what being an artist is. You know, so that's what I'm trying to do with it. I really love your quote, which was, I think, in an interview with Fern Cotton, but you said, what does service look like in an industry and frankly a world that is inherently narcissistic? that being a real journey that you've been on. And mm -hmm. for, for people that haven't listened to that interview, I think you essentially come to the realization that it's about being visible and being truly who you are. My queerness yeah. is my service. How many queer black men in the mainstream do my young people have to look up to as successful and, and I'm not talking about in the closet. Ain't no more closet shit. No, ain't no more down low shit no i didn't have the luxury of that my friends were dying in droves i didn't have the luxury for any down low secret shit no you know unfortunately that's still new or fortunately for me because i'm the first of something as a result of it the first of something as a result of it still being New. How do you feel? Because um, obviously you love Britain, you love London. How do you find the gay scene in terms of like London versus where were you based in New York? New York in terms of like the gay it's very clubs, similar. gay bars. It's very similar. I mean, you know, we're pulling back into the gay clubs and the gay ghettos again. You know, because there was a time in the evolution and the progress where people were like, oh, we don't need gay bars anymore. We don't need them. Everybody loves each other. Well, we need them again. We need them again. <laughs> we need the gay ghettos again. We need them. How do you feel about like straight? Because I find that a lot of straight women love going to gay bars. That's okay when they're not inebriated and on a... On and a on a, uh, And on an observatory mission. Mm. <laughs> observatory mission. With their bridesmaids. Hans, we have the best news for those of you based in London. Okay, how would you like to go to the best fitness classes in the capital for free? Yep, you heard me right, without spending a penny. It's all so exciting and it's thanks to our amazing partner Yonder, which as regular listeners will know, is this incredible lifestyle credit card that allows you to earn points for every pound you spend that you can then redeem at a selection of lifestyle experiences across the city. So from restaurants and bars to shops, hotels, gyms and more. So what's really fun is that the reward partners change each month. So loads to choose from and this month they've partnered with boxing club co-box which describes itself as where fight club meets nightclub and then there's boom cycle which is apparently a party on a bike 
Cathars. That sounds like a bit of us. And actually, it's a fab thing to do for when you want to swap the pub for something just a little bit more wholesome, but still hang out. So I am defo up for that. Also, guys, the point system is so good that the other night I went to 45 German Street, one of my favorite restaurants, and I used my points with my boyfriends to get the entire £175 meal for free. Also, guys, good to know the £15 monthly Yonder card fee includes comprehensive travel insurance. So compared to other credit cards on the market, it feels well worth the money. Thank you so much to our amazing partner, Yonder. Get your first month free and 10,000 points when you join then it's £15 a month thereafter please do make sure you buy responsibly T's and C's apply rep 66.7% APR variable I want to go back to Stranger Things because another point that you've made quite a few times previously is how important you think it is for an artist to be political if they can okay I think it's important for me I have to be political I have to blaze that trail. I have to hold that torch. I don't put that on anybody else. It's just my journey. I grew up in a time where protest music was a real thing. And artists were engaged politically. I would like to see that happen again. We have power. We have platforms. You know, people listen to what we say. So use it. Use that power. That's what I want to do. Yeah, I completely agree. I think art is the most meaningful vehicle for change that we have. Mm-hmm. What art were you really inspired by growing up? Did you feel that really changed your whole worldview or how you felt about yourself? That's a really interesting question. First of all, I could sing anything musically. I understood, I could tell physically how people changed when I sang. I could see it physically wash over people. So I understood the power of that. You never needed to be told. No, I didn't need to be told about that. Um, Repeat the question again. Was there a piece of art that changed your worldview or how you felt about yourself? Yes. So Whitney Houston's art. The Wiz, Dreamgirls on the Tony Awards, and ultimately taking myself in 1994 by myself to see Tony Kushner's Angels in America on Broadway. It's like, it's a, it's a cavalcade of things. It's not just one thing. You know, it's a lot of stuff that sort of layers on top of itself to create... The tipping point. Mm. You know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the tipping point. I remember reading that book and going, oh, okay, okay. It it comforted me a lot because I was like, okay, I got to acquire all the stuff to get me to the tipping point. And I have. Were you surprised when you found huge stratospheric success in your late 40s? Or did you know it was always meant for you and that it would come eventually? I knew it was always meant for me. The surprise is rooted in feeling like I had to be straight to do it. Because like I said, your queerness is your, is going to be your liability. And it was for twenty five the first 25 years of my career. So I spent that time trying to be straight enough or be perceived as straight enough so that I could eat. So the surprise is that my queerness has become my superpower. And that's what I get to sit in the fullness of now. That's a surprise. I thought I was going to just be, you know, the sassy best gay friend on some Shonda Rhimes medical procedural and, (laughs) you know, put some albums out with my own money. And, you know, and I was fine with that. You know, I was totally fine with that. You know, do some movies here and there, maybe, you know, play Julia Roberts' best friend and some shit, (laughs) you know. Because that's all we were... Yeah. That's all we were. I mean, we laugh, but it's not funny. I know, Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But it, in, in this moment, in this space, the surprise is 
I'm a leading man. I'm a, that's a surprise. That's the surprise. Does your mom have a favorite song on Black Men Elisa? Audacity. Because it's, you know, and Audacity is like, it's simple on the album. And when I sing it live, it's really a gospel song. And I did it simple on the album because my audience is large and I didn't want to alienate nobody with a, with a version of the song that was too complex. You know, I even reached out to my dear, dear friend, Kirk Carr, who is a Grammy Award winning, you know, gospel, contemporary gospel artist. And I was like, come and produce this for me. Come and produce this for me. Because I was like, I was not happy with the version that is on the record. I am now. Um, but I was like, it has to be. And he said, leave it like this on the record. The white people will be happy <laughs> with you. <laughs> they will enjoy this version. And then when you go into concert, you can blow it out. Yeah. And that's what Whitney did. Mm. You know, Whitney did that. She was a pop artist whose voice crossed over. But when you went to her concerts, you were at church, y'all. You were at church. Makes it extra special for the real fans as well. Correct. You know, it's like I did my first uh, tour, uh, Black Mona Lisa tour, volume one in May, 25 cities in five weeks. And, you know, I was that kind of artist where you listen to the record and then you go to the concert and it's a different thing. It's a different arrangement. You want to excite your audience. So all of my arrangements were like fabulous live, you know, live music people arrangements of stuff. So I get to, I, I got to blow out uh, audacity in that way. And there's a little choir at the end, oh. and, you know, all of that. So where do you love performing in the UK? And where is your after party? I haven't performed in the UK yet. So like that's the next phase. I'm, I'm, I mean, I performed at G-A-Y. Yeah. 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 Okay. Where would you love to perform in the UK? Um, Royal Albert Hall. Yes. Which I'm filming something in there on Thursday. Oh, major. Um, I would love to perform at the Palladium. And then I have theater stuff to do. I want to do the O2 when it's time for me to be playing stadiums. Isn't it the O2? Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Um, or Wembley. Know, give me three to five years <laughs> okay. so I can sell out some stadiums, honey. I heard you're <laughs> off to a play tonight. What are you going to see? I'm going to see Witches. The <gasps> Witches. Witches. Yes. Oh, amazing. The Witches. Like press night or I, I think it's like... It's press night, yeah. You know, I'm very... I have... Finger on the pulse. multi... Hyphenated, darling. Have you read the book? I have not read the book. You know what I they say about don't... witches' feet? What do they say? They're, they're square. They've got no toes. No toes. So I could. Oh no, they're not square. Quite yeah. yeah. They have no toes. Yeah. <laughs> and no so hair. Watch out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to go back to audacity just for a second, I haven't seen this in my research. So forgive me if I'm being completely naive. But does religion figure in your life? Are you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, a religious yeah, person. Yeah. Well, Christian. No. Religion is man-made. Yeah. Spirituality is divine. Very good point. I left religion at 16. And is that because of the pastor who was very homophobic? All of it. Mm. The religion that's homophobic. That's true. The people that are homophobic. The uh, hypocrisy. Um, it was killing me. And it was time to end that so i'm a very spiritual person i've moved into more buddhist constructs over the years i'm a meditator i'm a you know but my art is also spiritual that's where i sort of ground myself spiritually is in my art which is very that's a gift yeah mm. you know people's work is not spiritual usually <laughs> you know what i mean like people don't go to the office and feel spiritual release yeah you know i get that in my work constantly that's a gift and i know you've got to dash off but we always ask everyone is there a public misconception about you that you'd like to correct i feel like you're going to say no because you just said the whole time you've never said anything untrue about yourself but do you feel like there is there is anything that the press or other people have got wrong about you in your career that annoys you i will say this i do not care what people think about me 
I don't give a fuck. Let's be clear. I do not at all. The one Achilles heel I have, and this is a church thing. You know, we were taught God gives you the gifts. And if you are in any way arrogant about those gifts or narcissistic about those gifts, God will take them away from you. So for a long period of time, I would say up until two years ago, I was conflating knowing my worth and being able to speak about that out loud with being arrogant and narcissistic. And so as a result of that, the energy I put out in the world is that. So anytime anybody wants to attack me, they go to he's arrogant and he's a narcissist. I'm not at all. At all. Yeah, Definitely I, don't, not. I don't get the I'm sense not that you are. Those vibes. Hmm? I'm, a, I'm not getting those vibes at all I'm from you. I'm just not. No. So, you know. But there's nothing worse than, okay, this is a British phrase for you, a shrinking violet. Have you heard of that? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to ever be a shrinking violet. <laughs> also, people do say it's quite a British versus American thing that, do you find that in America you can like own your achievements, whereas in Britain people want to like tear you down for being too big for your boots? Well, they tear you down there too. However, there is more of a space for you to understand and know your worth. And do you ever Google yourself? No. You've never done it? Ooh, I mean, what not strength. never. Yeah. <laughs> God's sake. Not never. Yeah. <laughs> but not as a habit, Miss Thing. You don't have an no. alert set up. No, no. I don't. No. A Google alert. Yeah. Do you we do some... for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone for my name just in case. Do you, you know. actually? Yeah, I do. Oh my God, that's so good. I don't do a lot of Googling, no. <laughs> I don't. Okay, to finish, could yeah. you share some of your favourite London spots with us since you are such a regular here, you love the city, where'd you go? I Here's the thing, I don't go to a lot of places that I can remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> the champagne's flowing. Because when I go out, I go to the clubs. Oh my God, nice. I don't know what they're called, though, because my friends take me. And there's a pre-party, the uh, two brewers. Oh. I've been to two brewers. I like a two brewers moment. Do you like a pub? I like a pub on occasion. I've been to the cock. Very nice. I've been to... Amari. Amari. I've been to G-A-Y that I called gay. Which I didn't know that it was G-A-Y. I was like, I get it. I'm performing a gay tonight. Like, and do you, do you like British? I mean, do you find British men attractive? Are, are they a little, do you like the British Please, accent? Husband do hunt? not ask me that. I am looking for a big old countryside English gentleman. Oh, to sweep me off my feet, honey. Go settle down in the Cotswolds. Uh, I can yeah. settle down with a good old <laughs> juicy English boy. <laughs> no, Lord. I like my Englishman. I like my Englishman. I like the accent. I also like the other flavors who are here, too. You know, like the Indian, you know, like I met an Indian prince. Did you? Ooh. I did. Last night? When? No, a couple of weeks ago in New York. Oh, I'm seeing him tomorrow. Ooh. No names. In London. In London. He lives here. How international. In London, you know, but like, we don't have like. I love that. You the, met an Indian prince in New York. Yes, and an Indian prince. Dating in London. And it's like, well, we're going on a, we're going to dinner. Let's not label and it. Do you? Before, sorry. Soon, <laughs> I'm getting excited. Let's not label it. But do you it's pick casual. for dinner? Do you pick where you go? He's taking me somewhere. Fantastic. And does he have to pay? Yes, he does. <laughs> He's yes, the prince. he does. But like the thing I love, one of the things I love about this are the different flavors. Like, you know, we don't have a lot of like the Indian community and the Middle Eastern community. And, you know, that side of things is a lot over here. We don't have a lot of it over there. Do you have an ick? A who? An ick. I don't know what that means. What? What's an ick? Have you or never a heard red of flag? That? Like, is there um, one thing that someone can do that instantly puts you off them? And it's, it's often irrational. Um, no, I need to get one. <laughs> someone told me the other day, because I tried to set up my two friends, and she was like, no, he holds his sleeves over his hands. Oh, God. And has yeah, I try not to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that is an ick, right? I should I mean, get it's... a little bit more icky. 
<laughs> I should. My sisters are always like, you're the person that is like benefit of the doubt until proven guilty. <laughs> you need to flip that a little bit. You need to get an ick. Get Be a suspicious really cool, from yeah. the start. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get an ick. So go get Mona Lisa, honey. Okay, amazing. Black Thank Mona so Lisa, much. bitches. Play it Go up. get this album. Play it. Tell it to your friends. Christmas is coming up. Are you wearing tights or socks, by the way? Socks. They're just so great They're and great. long. Oh, my God. And what do they say on the front? Nasty pig. Nasty well, pig. Like, you nasty, nasty gal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can you give us a one fashion tip to live by? Like, you're a style icon. You must have a rule. That- Look in the mirror and take one thing off. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I feel like being extra. And sometimes I'm like, okay, enough. Right. <laughs> Calm down, we'll say, Miss Porter. Your hat is still, your, your um, what's it called? The, the remote control hat is still one of my favorite things you ever wore. <laughs> yes. It's so what's great. What's your favorite thing you one ever wore? One of my favorite things too. I have a lot of favorite things, but I would have to say the Oscar dress because... Iconic. That's the thing that changed. The tuxedo one. Yeah. Yeah, mm. so that's good. The, that's the outfit that changed everything for me, so... That was the first picture I saw of you, actually, when I was working at GQ and we did, like, a whole best dressed on it. Oh. It was amazing. Amazing. Loved it. Billy, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having me. Superstar. Thank you, thank you. You're Straight up, loud down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sing that, though, because y'all don't have the rights. Yeah. <laughs> Just one line. Straight up, da, 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 da. You get four notes. I'm sure you have to pay. Hold on, we have that in here. <laughs>